0: Amen. The title of the sermon this morning is Don't Go Liberal, Stand Fast. Don't Go Liberal, Stand Fast. So here in this chapter, I want to read a couple of verses that speak about the warfare that a Christian is involved in or should be engaged in. I want to begin in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 and look at verse number 3. We're going to read verses 3 through 5. The Bible says, For though we walk in the flesh, (coughs) we do not war after the flesh. And then he explains, verse number 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I want you to turn over to first, uh, I'm sorry, not first, Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians chapter number 6. Now the Christianity that we believe in, the Christianity that we are uh, involved in and engaged in, is not the Christianity that a lot of people are familiar with. It's not the Christianity that the majority of United States of American citizens or, you know, if you were to say, you know, American Christians, we don't have the same type of Christianity that they have. We are independent fundamental Baptist. And a lot of times when people use the word fundamental it goes hand in hand with militant. And what militant means, militant of course is related to, it's a variation of the word, military. What militant means is fighting. That's what it means. If a person is militant, they are a person that is fighting for what they believe in. We believe in a Christianity that we fight for. We believe in a Christianity that is a battle. We believe in a real warfare that is taking place on this earth in the spiritual realm. Right here in 2nd Corinthians chapter number 10 we can see that that's taught. We can see that Paul believes the exact same thing. He says in verse number 4, for the weapons of our warfare. I want you to notice that he's involved in warfare. Paul believed that the Christian life was warfare and that it was a fight and that he was in a battle and he even says the weapons. Notice that we have weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty, mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Paul even talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, battles that he was involved in. And he actually says that he fought himself and that he was fighting with people. It says in 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty-seven: If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantageth it me? If the dead rise not, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. So I want you to notice that Paul said, hey, when I was in Ephesus, I was fighting with people. I was fighting with beasts. You know what he was doing was he was contending with the devils or contending with the wicked. Those that would be on the other side, the side of unrighteousness. He was contending with them. For the faith. and we look at Paul's life, it's a constant fight. It's a constant battle. He's constantly battling people and fighting people and standing up for the faith. It goes so far as to where he strives unto blood. He was beaten many times. There in Ephesians chapter number 6, we're given a description of the armor that we are given. The Bible talks about the whole armor of God. You may be familiar with that. The whole armor of God. And this is the armor of God a Christian. Now before we read this I want to go over something real quickly and this is going to be the theme of the sermon. In war, <coughs> Michaela, give me some water please, in war and <coughs> the military there are only three ways that you will leave the battle before it's over. If a person leaves the battle or the fight before it's over there are only really three ways that you can leave. Number one would be desertion. Now desertion is just you leaving your post, or, you, know, prematurely, you know leaving or abandoning your responsibilities in your position as a soldier. Number two would be discharge, and this is where you are released, and you are approved to be released by your superiors or by your commanding officers or commanding officials. This is where they give you permission that you can leave and you can go home. You are no longer, you know, obligated to stay here and you have no responsibility to fight in this battle anymore. That would be considered a dishonor or or an honorable discharge. And the number three is death. Number three is if you died in battle while you were fighting. (laughs) Excuse me, you died in battle. So those are the only three ways. There is no other way that you can get out of the fight. You can get out of the battle if you have enlisted into the military. Number one is desertion. This would be dishonorable. This is where the person just abandons his responsibility. He just abandons his camp. He abandons his army and the military that he is fighting on behalf of, he just leaves. Right? That would be desertion. Leaves his responsibilities behind, doesn't tell anybody, he just leaves. He abandons his job. Number two is discharge. That is where you are given permission to leave. And number three is death. This is where you would die in battle or you would die fighting. Now in the Christian life, <coughs> we're told in Ecclesiastes chapter number 8, verse number 8, that there is no discharge in that war. The Bible uses the word discharge, and that is a military term. The Bible says that there is no discharge in that war. So the Christian life, there is no such thing as being discharged. The battle's never over. You're not allowed to just leave. No one is is going to give you permission or approve you to go home. It doesn't happen. The battle's not over, and it will never end. You, You have the option of desertion. You have the option of just leaving, just abandoning your post, just walking away and just saying, I'm done. You just walk away, which is obviously dishonorable. And then really the only honorable option is death. And the reason why I say that is this, because the battle's not over until Jesus Christ comes back. And when Jesus Christ comes back in Revelation 19, He's the one that wins the battle ultimately. Anyways, we're not going to finish it without Him. We're not not capable of finishing the battle without the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you want to be honorable, and if you want to stay in the battle... Do you know what your only option is? Is death. Right. Your only option is to die on the field fighting. That's it. You have no other options. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to be preaching this morning on standing fast, on standing, standing strong, not being moved, being immovable or unmovable, right? Right? But there's going to be more of a direct topic than just standing for the faith or just standing fast. And that is standing against liberalism. And as I said with the title of the sermon, don't go liberal, stand fast. Now, <clears throat> I have, you know, I have many, many brethren that I love very much. I you know, many brethren that I love very much, very beloved brethren that I would say that fall into this category. Recently, and then also you know in the past I can think of many people numerous people just there's a big group of people that fall in this category it's very common it's very it happens very often where someone is on fire they're zealous they're an independent Baptist they stand for the King James Bible they stand for the fundamentals of the faith they're militant they're engaged in the war they're fighting but then something happens and they backslide you know what they do is they desert they walk away you know what that is that's becoming liberal that's what that is. That's being likened unto the backsliding, the walking away, the desertion, the no longer engaging in the battle, not fighting. That's likened unto becoming liberal. That's what that is. Because they walked away from the fight. I have many brethren that, have, that would fall into this category that I love much more even than people that are engaged in the word. No, so many people that I know, the hundreds of people that I know that are independent Baptists that are still fighting, I have many people that fall into the category of of being a liberal and fall into a category of deserting what I believe the Christian fight that I love even more so. So I'm not preaching this to just attack someone. Who I'm preaching this for is you guys that's here. That's my job, is to warn you. Because there's so many people that were sitting even in this church. There's so many people that are sitting beside me in another church. There's so many people that are listening to the same preaching that I was listening to, reading the same... Bible. You know, listen to the same sermons, and they said all along, I'll never stop fighting. I'll never walk away. I'm going to die on the battlefield. And you know where they're at now? Off the battlefield. Off the field. Deserted. We don't know where they are. They've left. They left the camp, and they're no longer engaged. You know what they did? They dropped their sword, they took off their uniform, and they went home. And they're not fighting any longer. And they're not engaged in the battle any longer. But you know what they said? I'll never do that. It'll never happen to me. So I'm not preaching this to preach at them. I'm preaching this to preach at you. I'm preaching this to preach at everybody that's here. That you don't go liberal. That you stand fast. And that you're resolved in your heart and you have it made up that I'm not leaving this battlefield until I die. I'm not leaving this battlefield until the end of my life because that's really your only honorable option. Now I want to make one other point in the uh, introduction here and I'm going to give you four thoughts (coughs) I'm going to give you four thoughts this morning on not going liberal. The other point is this, when people go liberal it's because they don't want to fight. I want you to think about that. What is a liberal? A liberal is an agreeable person. A liberal is a person that is a compromiser. A liberal is a person that just agrees with everything you say. They're just somebody who doesn't take strong stands. Wouldn't you consider that a perfect definition of a liberal? That is the definition of a liberal. Oftentimes when people go liberal, they may have an initial a different initial cause. But ultimately, it is because the position is appealing because there's no fighting involved. They want to be a liberal because they no longer have to stand for anything. They no longer have to fight for anything. Now, this is also, that's why I said fundamentalist and militant come together. Because if you're a fundamentalist and you stand for the fundamentals of the faith, you will have to fight for that. You will have to fight for the fundamentals of the faith. You will have to fight for being. If you say, I'm a fundamentalist your whole life, if you believe that, you will be fighting your entire life. Look at every single independent fundamental Baptist. And, and all of those that, that warred and died with the sword in their hand, every last one of them were known for fighting. They were known for being militant. They were known for taking strong stands. If you're a fundamentalist and you stand for strictly what the Bible says and literally what the Bible says, exactly how it's ri- how it's written down in the King James Version you will have to fight. If you're a fundamentalist, you will be, by nature be militant. Right. The exact opposite of that is a liberal. If you want to believe liberal doctrine, you're not going ba- to be battling or fighting. Because the whole reason, ultimately, why you became a liberal is because you were done fighting. It's because you no longer wanted to fight. Now for what- <coughs> forever, whatever reason, there are many reasons. People sometimes just become tired. Like, I can't fight anymore. I cannot fight anymore, and they just walk off the battlefield. They become weary, and you know what they do? They just leave. Like, I can't do it anymore. It's worn me down. Sometimes when people get hurt, maybe they get injured on the field. Somebody says something, you know, crossed to them. Someone hurts them in their lives. You know what they do? They're like, I'm done. Right. This is too much for me. This isn't what I expected. So maybe a friend hurts them, or whatever it is. It's, you know, a friendly fire. They walk off the battlefield. These are all reasons why people stop fighting and people become liberal. There are so many other reasons. You could go through a, a huge list of them. Sometimes it's because people get comfortable. And they're like, you know what? Battle's not the place for me. I'd rather sit at home. Sometimes that's the reason why. Sometimes it's because people get a taste of sin. And when they taste sin, they want to go engage in that instead of fighting in the, in the battle. These are all very, you know, uh, 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 real reasons why people will fall into becoming a uh, liberal. So guard yourself from this. And I'm preaching to you and everyone that's hearing. And don't just. <clears throat> Just say, you know, in your heart right now, like, I already have this figured out. You need to hear this sermon, you need to apply it, and you need to even stand stronger after the end of this sermon. Once, once the sermon's finished, you need to be even more resolved that you're never leaving never leaving the battlefield. Now, we're going to begin here in Ephesians chapter number 6, and the very first point is the title of the sermon, Stand Fast, Stand Fast, and what that means is don't move. Now, the opposite of a person that is standing fast is the a person that's moving, in battle, which direction would you be going in if you are going to move and you're not standing fast? What's the implication? You're not standing your ground. That means that you would be going backwards. That would be a person that's back uh, uh, sliding. That would be a person... (coughs) That is, fleeing or leaving the battle. They're no longer wanting to engage in battle. Look here at uh, uh, Ephesians chapter number 6. <coughs> now I want you to look with me first at <coughs> verse number 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. So, it's not our own strength. Verse number 11. Put on the whole armor of God <coughs> that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, watch this, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. What's the emphasis in those four verses? I don't know if you've noticed this before. Of course, we know that it's about the whole armor of God. But over and over again, you know what he says? He says, stand. He starts off there in verse number 11, and he says, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse number 12, <coughs> he talks about the how we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. But then we get into verse number 13, and he says, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. That's the bad day. That's the day of attack and violence. Then it says, afterwards, and having done all to stand. So what's being emphasized? Stand. Verse number 14. Stand therefore. So over and over again, right here, we're reading about the whole armor of God. We're reading about the battle, the spiritual battle, the wickedness that's coming in. You know what's emphasized? You know what you're told? We need to take heed to this. Is what? Stand. What is being implied? Don't move. Don't move stay where you are now if you ever study or look up anything about about you know the military i know brother hall was involved in the military but if you ever read about battles actual battles you know what one of the most important things is in a military fight or in a military battle is to hold your ground. You'll, if you ever even watch maybe movies while there's a battle going on, while there's a fight going on and there's the heat, the evil day, that's what it's referring to. When it starts to become a hot battle, when all of a sudden, you know, the enemy's closing in, what do you hear commanders? What do you hear chiefs? What do you hear the general? What do you hear them screaming out repeatedly when they're starting to get pressure? Stand. You'll hear them yelling out to hold your ground, hold your post, right? over and over and over again because why? Because if you give them a little bit of ground, what's going to happen? You'll end up losing the battle. you end up having to flee. If you give them a little bit of, uh, you know, oftentimes if you watch in, 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 uh, in the, you know, you can watch in the movies or you can just look it up in the military. Obviously, it's, it's being based on, you know, reality. When you give them a little bit of ground and you start to back up, now you've lost your momentum. And you're not only going to backslide a little bit. You know what you're going to do? You're going to backslide a lot. You lose that little bit of momentum and everybody starts to back up and to shift back, you know, a couple of feet, you know, 10 feet, 12 feet. You know what ends up happening? Now you've given them that little bit of edge. Now you've given them that little bit of ground. That's why they're yelling out, hold your ground, hold your post. Then what happens? And then they just take over the field. Now the field's theirs. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 16. 1 Corinthians chapter number 16. So what is being emphasized here? Stand fast. Hold your ground. Hold your post. Stand fast. Don't move. Wherever you're at right now, you need to stand strong. Now, <clears throat> obviously when we liken this under the Christian life. We need to find out where you are at. We need to find out where we are and are we where we should be? Are you in your Christian life where you should be? Are you right on your doctrine? Are you standing on the fundamentals of the faith? Are you correct with biblical doctrine? You know what? When you get there, you need to stand there. You need to get the fundamentals of the faith. You need to grab onto them. And you need to stand there. And you need to have your mind made up that I'm not moving. You know, uh, the opposite of this type of person is someone that's shifting back and forth. The Bible talks about that, doesn't it? it? talks about a person being carried about with every wind of doctrine. Right? Someone that's deceived. They're likened unto a child. Right? By the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. A person that comes to you and they're very easily able to throw you off. Right? That's a person that's not stable. But a person that's standing, like in a military battle, that's a person that's stable. That's a person that's not moving. They're standing. We're commanded as Christians in the war, in in the fight to stand. You know what that means? You need to stay engaged in the battle. You need to not be backing up. You need to be staying engaged in the battle. You need to be fighting for the same fundamentals. That means that if I'm, where I was standing, let's say that, you know, eight years ago, seven years ago, you know, wherever I was standing at, it, I was fighting for it. <coughs> true doctrine and the fundamentals of the faith, I should still be standing there and fighting for those same fundamentals today. You know what, in 20 and 30 years, this verse still applies to me and I should still be standing and I should still be fighting for the same doctrine. I should still be fighting for the deity of Christ. I should still be fighting for the King James Bible and the inspiration of the Bible and the preservation of the Bible. I should still be standing and fighting for the true gospel, the gospel of grace that we're saved by grace through faith and not of works. We should still still be fighting for eternal security. We should still be fighting for living a sanctified, set-apart life. We should still be fighting for all of these things. These are all areas of our life that we should stand for and be fighting for. Now, if you start giving up a little bit of ground, if you start compromising on just a few of those doctrines, you know what's going to happen? You're going to find yourself, you know, a mile, two miles back. You're going to find yourself, now you've given up ground to the enemy, And now all of a sudden you guys have had to actually flee and take off running. And now you find yourself hiding somewhere, you know, and you've hit the tree line. And you're just trying to find somewhere to, because they have the momentum now, to hide while the enemy is, is pursuing you. So, you know, my point is this. When you start giving the enemy just a little bit of ground, when you start compromising in just a few areas, it's a lot more dangerous than you think. You're not just going to backslide a little bit. How many people do you know that just backslide a little bit even looking in the Christian life? Not very often, is it? It's not very common. When someone backslides, they normally don't just backslide a little bit. They backslide a lot. When somebody falls out of the uh, church and things like that, it normally doesn't just last for a couple of days. Just one week, does it? No, it lasts for a long time. When somebody starts compromising on their doctrine, it's it's very common. They're not just going to change one doctrine. What do they do? they change multiple doctrines they change almost all their doctrine you know they're all related to things that are (coughs) would be considered fundamentals they're all related to things that would you know oftentimes they're all related to things that would be controversial in our world today number one things that you would have to fight for things that not that even the majority of other Christians don't believe and they're all related to things that would be you know in relation to sanctity I want you to think about that. Living a sanctified and a holy life and a separate different life. What does holy mean? It means set apart. Right? So <clears throat> what makes it holy? It means it's different than the world. So it's all these issues where you'd have to battle. Now who are we battling? The world. See think that's a coincidence? When people start changing their doctrine they they oftentimes change their doctrines in the areas where they no longer have to battle the world. They no longer have to fight with the world. They just agree with them now. They just compromise these positions. That's a lot easier, isn't it? I want you to look with me now at 1 Corinthians chapter number 16. I'll get there myself. 1 Corinthians chapter number 16. And you'll see this call again to stand. 1 Corinthians chapter number 16. You'll see in 1 Corinthians chapter number 16, I want you to look at verse number 13. It says this, Watch ye stand fast in the faith, Quit you like men, be strong. So we see this this phrase over and over again, stand, stand fast. What specifically is it referring to? What should we be standing fast in? We should be standing fast in the faith. We should be standing fast in the fundamentals of the faith, the beliefs of the faith. First uh, Timothy chapter number one, verse number eighteen just shows that Paul was influencing and provoking Timothy also to be warring and to be engaging in battle. It says this in first Timothy one eighteen: This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Those are strong words. You know what Paul was telling Timothy? You need to war, Timothy. You need to be fighting, Timothy. You need to be taking the prophecies. You need to be taking the Word of God, the the words of the Spirit, and you need to be using them and warring a good warfare. We are involved as Christians in a war, and we should be engaging in it. So that's the first point, is stand fast, and that means don't Move. Stand fast and don't move. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse number 58 says this, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. That's like being, you know, standing fast. Watch what he says next. Unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I want you to turn to 2 Samuel chapter number 10 now. 2 Samuel chapter number 10. We as Christians, we need to hold our rank. We need to hold our position. We need to hold our ground. We shouldn't be giving up ground to the enemy. We shouldn't be compromising with the enemy. We shouldn't be allowing on the battlefield. You know, the, where, where you're fighting is very important. Right? The, you know, the, the, the topography of the land is very very important, and you'll see when people are you know uh, uh, strategizing, and you'll you know you'll read about and you'll study about you know generals, and when those that are involved in military strategy, it's very important where they end up being, where the end, where the battle ends up taking place, and the reason why is because that ground is very important, I and mean, you want to make sure that you have a lot of ground. And you want to make sure that what you would try to do, what you would want to do is you'd want to, you know, corner the enemy, wouldn't you? You'd want to try to run them back into some sort of cove or run them back into some sort of corner somewhere where you've trapped the enemy. And you know what happens when you end up backing up? That's exactly what happens to you. The exact opposite happens to you when you keep backing up and you're going back towards, you know, uh, uh, backsliding and things like that. You're being cornered. You're being backed into a corner. We need to stand strong. We need to not be backsliding in the Christian life. We need to not be backsliding or backpedaling on the fundamentals of the faith. We need to hold to the fundamentals of the faith. We need to be standing for the fundamentals of the faith. The second point is this. Stand fast and be courageous. Stand fast and be courageous. I had you turn to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter number 10. 2 Samuel chapter number 10. 2 Samuel chapter number 10, we're going to be looking at verse number 12. 2 Samuel chapter number 10, verse number 12 says this, Be of good courage, then it says this, and let us play the men for our people and for the cities of our God, and the Lord do <coughs> that which seemeth him Good. So I want to draw your attention to a phrase that's, that's used right there. Obviously, I said the second thought or second point is stand fast and be courageous. But once you look at the phrase that's used right there, it says this. Let us play the men for our people. Oftentimes, there, there's another phrase in the Bible, and we just read it in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, that said, quit yourselves like men. It's a very similar phrase. Now, it's interesting the way that it's worded. Right? Because it says, let us play the men for our people. What does it mean to play? If you are well, what does it mean to be in a play? What does it mean when we say that? What does it mean to be in a play? Yeah. Exactly. It, the connotation is that you are pretending, isn't it? It's kind of like you are, that you're pretending to do something. Now, would it make sense that a man, you know, plays the man for his people? It kind of doesn't make sense, does it? A man is just playing the man for the people. So what does he mean when he makes this statement? And I've heard a couple of people's interpretations and I don't agree with it. And I'll tell you what I believe of what he's saying here when he says, let us play the man for our people. What's the point? What's he wanting them to do right now? He's wanting them exactly. He's wanting them to be courageous. He's wanting them to go forth into battle and he's wanting them to have courage. That's what he's wanting them to do. He's wanting them to be courageous. Now, let me ask you this What does it mean to be courageous? What does it mean to have courage? If I told a person to have courage, what does that mean? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid or to be brave, right? Don't be afraid. Or to be, to be brave. Now, is there anyone that, that, that has ever lived that just has no fear? There's no one. There's no person that's, that has ever lived that is just fearless. Just totally fearless. Right? The Bible tells us that, that every man, all of mankind, is in bondage to, to the fear of death. Right? There's a fear of death. Right? There's, we have different fears in our lives. No one is completely and 100, you know, absent of fear. There's no one that exists that way. So when you're speaking to someone and you're telling them to be courageous, why would you tell that particular person that? What's the send, What is the, the connotation that that person feels? Fear that they would be fearful. Now, c- courage. And a lot of people, you know, you may, maybe this hasn't resonated with you before, but courage. What courage is or what it means to be courageous is for a person to go forward with something in spite of fears that they have. What a a person is that is courageous, it's not a person that just has no fear. It's not a person that just is not afraid or never has any fear or is just not scared because that person does not exist. There has never been a person, unless they are you know, mentally insane or, you know, or, or, or just not, not all there, there has never been a person that has went forth into battle and never felt any fear at all period. That does not exist unless they're crazy, unless they've become desensitized to it you know, over just you know, just thousands and thousands of battles. But it's funny because the people that you see fighting fighting constantly, you still see people saying to them, be, you know, be of good courage or be courageous over and over again. Why? Why would you need to say that to that person? What is, the, what, are you, what is the implication to a person when you tell them to be courageous? The implication is that they're fearful. All of us have fears and there is no person that has no fear. There is no person that, that is not, would not be fearful when they go forth into battle. But what a courageous person is, what a person is that has courage, is a person that goes forth into battle anyways. It's a person that knows what is right. They know that they need to be fighting in the battle. They need to be engaging in the battle. You know what they do? They pick up their sword and they run forth into battle even in spite of fear. That is a courageous person. And when the Bible says right here, be of good courage, and let us play the men for our people. Do you know what he's saying? I know that you're afraid. I know that you're scared. I understand that the battle is fierce and the battle is hot, but you know what? Play like you're not. Act like you're not. Do what you need to do, anyways. You feel the feeling of fear? Go forth into battle, anyways. Make it look like you're not afraid. Do what makes it look like you're not afraid. And you know what? Everybody here has fear. Everybody here is scared. When you have to take a stand, you know what? It's scary. It's fearful. You know what? Maybe if you had the fear of losing your job because you get caught into the office, then maybe they find out what you believe, what kind of church you go to or whatever it is. You know what you need to do? You need to do what's right anyways. You need to stand for the Word of God anyways. You know, if, if the church ever receives heat, if maybe, you know, it they, they comes to a time when we're not allowed to meet anymore, or they say that we're not allowed to meet anymore, you know what you need to do? It'll be fearful. You might go to jail. You might be arrested. You might have to pay a fine. You know what you need to do? You need to come anyways. Amen. You know, if there's ever a time when somebody says, Hey, you can't own a Bible. You're not allowed to pray. You know what you need to do? You might be afraid, but you need to play them in for your people. Yeah. You need to do it anyways, even when you're afraid. Yeah. This is a good thing that you could teach to your sons and to teach to your boys that, hey everybody's afraid but you know the ones that are strong you know the ones that are real men they're the ones that play the men for their people anyways even in spite of fear even when you're scared you do what's right anyways Amen. that's a courageous man and everybody that goes forth into battle when all those men if you've seen real footage of World War II when they when they uh, blast the beach and everybody gets off and just takes off Everybody in that crowd is fearful. Every single last man is scared. And you know what's running through some of their minds? I could die in a few minutes. I could be shot down dead in a few minutes. But you know what they did? They played the man anyways. They got up off that boat. And they rushed that shore anyways. And they went in there and they fought anyways. Everybody that goes forth into battle is afraid. Every last one of them. So why does it say quit yourselves like men? Why would it say (coughs) quit means to act? What what does it mean when he says, quit yourselves like men? Why would he say, act like a man? Why would he say, play the part or play the man for our people? Do you know why? Because what true courage is, he told them, be of good courage. How did he word it? Yes, be of good courage. What what was he saying? Courage is when a person goes forth and they act like a man, even when they're afraid. This is what happens in the battle. You know what a lot of people do? They're courageous, you know, courageous before, the, before there's any heat. They're courageous before any, they have to cross swords with anyone, before there's ever <coughs> any shots fired, before there's ever any pressure, before they get to the hottest part of the battle, before they ever have to stand for anything. They're courageous. They're courageous when they're on their own soil. But then when the boat gets pulled up and they can see the enemy lines, then all of a sudden things change. Then all of a sudden they're like, I don't think I can do this. That is the moment when you find out whether you're truly courageous or not. That is, when, that is when you actually get to display true courage. Courage is going forward with what is right. Doing what you should do even in spite of fear. That's the definition of courage. Amen. That's why the Bible says, play the men for our people. Every man here. You are going to have times when you need to stand for the faith. You know what's going to happen? is there's going to be a moment when you start to <coughs> consider the consequences. consequences, And there's going to be fear that arises. That's the moment where you can prove that you're a courageous man. Or you're a, cur- a man of good courage. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter number 31 verse number 6. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not nor be afraid of them. I want you to notice how it's people that are fearful. And he's telling them. Be of good courage. 2 Samuel chapter number 2, verse 7 says, Fear not, have I not commanded you? Be courageous, courageous and be valiant. Of course, this is Valiant Baptist Church. Amen. Fear not, have not I commanded you? Be courageous and be valiant. So what does it mean to be valiant? It means to be courageous. And is it is a, a valiant man <coughs> just someone that is just never afraid? That's never fearful? think David was never afraid? If you do, you've never read the book of Psalms. He talks about being fearful and afraid all the time. Do you know what he did? He did what was right anyways. He was courageous. He was valiant. And he went forth with what was right and what was good. And he did it in the face of fear. In spite of fear. I want you to go to 2 Timothy chapter number 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. So people will give up fighting in the face of fear. They compromise and they liberalize. Don't go liberal. Don't go liberal. It's one of the reasons why people will give up and stop fighting and go liberal is because they're fearful, because they're afraid. That's actually when you find out whether someone is courageous or not. Point number three is stand fast and stay focused. So the very first point was stand fast and hold your ground. Stand fast and be unmovable. Do not give ground to the enemy. Do not compromise. That is a liberal. A liberal is a compromiser. Do not compromise on doctrine. Do not compromise on what the Bible teaches. Do not compromise with anyone and especially you know, with the world. Don't compromise at all. That was point number one. Point number two was stand fast and be courageous. Because there will be times when you're afraid. Courage is doing what is right even in spite of fear. Point number three or thought number three is stand fast and stay focused. Stand fast and stay focused. One of the very important things in battle is to make sure that everyone is focused. That everyone has their mind on the battle, that everyone has their mind on the battlefield. We are told over and over again as Christians not to mind earthly things. We are told over and over again as Christians not to 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 fall in love with the world, you know, love not the world, neither things which are in the world. If any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We're told to keep our minds on heavenly things. We're told to set our affections on things above and not on things of the earth. We're told to set our rewards in heaven. We're told to build up our rewards in heaven and not on the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt. We're supposed to keep our minds and we're supposed to keep our focus and our eyes on spiritual things. We need to stay focused. It's very, very important that a soldier is focused on the battle. He needs to have his mind on the battle. How long, how long do you have to take your mind off the battlefield in order to have a fatality? seconds. You take your mind off for just a second. There's a fatality that, uh, that occurs. You know, would you, would you, uh, would you think that it would be a good idea while you're on the battlefield to maybe pull out your phone and check Facebook? While there's bullets flying around you, do you think it would be a good idea on the battlefield maybe to pull out a book and start reading a book? While the enemy's enclosing, while the enemy's you know, attacking and coming in? Of course not. What's the, what's the point? Why not? Because you need to stay focused of the battle at hand. You stay focused on the battle at hand. You need not concern yourself or become entangled with other things around you. That should be our priority is is warring and fighting this battle. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, look at verse number 1. Thou therefore my son be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. What's Paul saying? The fundamentals of the faith that I taught you, stand for them and teach it to other people that will teach it to other people too. Look at what it says in verse 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. What did he just tell him? Stand for the faith, uh, believe the faith, teach it to other people, and then he follows it up with, thou therefore. So I want you to notice that if you believe the faith... If you believe the Bible, if you teach real true biblical doctrine, you're going to be at war. Are the liberals at war with their doctrine? Let me ask you a question. Do you, do you need to fight over whether or not you can drink alcohol, whether or not it's okay to drink alcohol in 1122 church? You think they give a crap? A lot of these liberal churches, most of them, <coughs> almost all of them, the pastors drink alcohol. They'll even sometimes they'll try to, you know, uh, it's just wicked as hell, they'll like bring a beer up to the pulpit and like be drinking a beer at the pulpit. I've seen that a couple of times. Is that something you need to stand for or to war for or thou therefore endure hardness? Would you have to endure hardness if you believed that you could drink alcohol? Would you have to endure hardness if you believe that you could use any Bible version? That's the definition of compromising. Because what they say is just use anything. You know what it is? It's like do whatever you want. That's basically what it is. Use any Bible that you want. But you know what happens when you say that you believe that there's one perfect book? You believe that this is God's perfect, and errant, inspired word that was preserved for us in English? There's a lot of people you're going to make mad. And you know what they're going to want to do? They're going to fight with you. They're going to want to argue with you. They're going to want to cross swords with you and fight with you about this issue and contend with you. And then you would have to endure hardness. Then you would have to fight for it. right? Look at some of the other you know, issues and things like that. I mean, one, one really good obvious one is the gospel of grace. If you believe in the gospel of grace, you're going to have to stand for the good news. You're going to have to stand for that it's by grace through faith alone, not of works. Right. That means no works. That means nothing. That means none at all. Whether there's a change of life, no! And I'll continue with you about it. Amen. And I'll fight with you about it. Right. And I'll stand for what the Bible teaches and I'll endure hardness. Because when you stand for the Bible, it's automatically going to divide things. It's automatically going to draw lines. It's automatically going to bring about a fight. You know, when you look at the Bible, it says, hey, there's going to be a war. You're going to be fighting people. You see them telling them, hey, endure hardness. You know why? Because if you stand for the word of God, it's going to cause contention. When you look at the doctrine, look at the doctrine and say, "Hey, is this a doctrine that the world's going to believe? Is this a doctrine that the world accepts? Is this just something that goes along with what the, you know the world's teachings? Just fundamentals of the faith? Right. Is it something that the world teaches and believes in, in this area? Or you know, am I compromising? We should be keeping our eyes and our mind. And we should be, you know, focusing on the battlefield. Keep looking at verse number four, and it gets into that right now. No man that warreth." entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier." I want you to think about that. Jesus Christ chose you to be a soldier. He didn't just choose you to live this leisurely life. He didn't, when you got saved, you know what, you weren't just chosen like Joel Osteen just to, be, just to be blessed with physical blessings the whole time you're alive here, to never endure any kind of hardness. No, he, he, it's exact opposite. You know, the Bible is a, as many people have said before, and it's true, the Bible is like a bloody book. Right. It would be likened unto a bloody book. The things in the Bible, when you read the lives of the people that are Christians, they live very rough lives. They live very hard lives. That's what the Christian life is like. Life. What is it like to be a soldier? I want you to think about that. Going in and out of battle constantly. What is that like? like? That's, a, that's a very rough life that's a very hard life when you really like hey we can dress up bat war we can dress up fighting we can dress up and try to make it look a way in which it's not but I want you to think about what is war really like really engaging in war I want you to think about the things that David really would have seen going forth into battle back and forth really and honestly he would have seen people getting their heads cut off he would have seen his friends just sores just going all the way through their stomach Being stabbed, arms sliced off, just constantly. David would have witnessed a rough, hard life. Battle. So he's likening this this unto you being a soldier. Battle and war is not pretty at all. It's not easy. That's why he says endure hardness. It's difficult. That's what it's like. The Christian life is rough. Fightings within, fightings without. The Christian life is a rough life. Feel are like, oh, the Christian life. That's what people think because they, they think of 1122 Christianity. That's not Christianity. The Christian, the Christian life is rough, and it's hard, and it's a war, and it's a battle, and it's constant contention. It's constant heartache. It's constantly having to stand up for what's right. That's the Christian life. Amen. That's the true Christian life. And what they do is they look at these people like Joel Osteen with his pretty white teeth and his perfectly manicured and tailored outfit. And he's got his mansion. That's not Christianity. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. You know why someone would entangle themselves with the affairs of this life? They fall in love with the things of this world. You know what they want? Why would you do that? It's because you're seeking comfort. It's because you want to be comfortable You want the things of this world. Why? Because you don't want hardness anymore. Notice how they're back to back. The two things. What does a liberal want? What does someone that's going liberal want? They want an easier life. They they want to compromise. They don't want to fight anymore. They don't want hardness anymore. Well then you've enlisted in the wrong war my friend. Because that is not the Christian life. The Christian life is hardness and you need to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We need to not entangle ourselves with the affairs of this world. We need to stay focused. Point number three was stand fast and stay focused. Keep your eyes on the battlefield. I want you to think how this is taught in Deuteronomy chapter number 20 as well. It says in Deuteronomy 23, <coughs> and shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel, this is the, the general of the army. Ye approach this day unto battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint, fear not, and do not tremble, neither be ye terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. And the officers shall speak unto the people, saying, Looks like the general and the commanders and all that. What man is there that hath built a new house and hath not dedicated it? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle, and another man dedicate it. And what man is he that hath planted a vineyard, and hath not yet eaten of it? Let him also go, and return unto his house, lest he die in the battle, and another man eat of it. And what man is there that hath betrothed the wife, and hath not taken her? Let him go, and return unto his house, lest he die in the battle, and another man take her." And the officers shall speak further unto the people, and they shall say, What man is there that is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return unto his house, lest his brethren's heart faint as well as his heart. Do you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to weed out those that are interested in other things. That's what he's trying to do. What man among you plant a vineyard? And he doesn't want anybody else to eat of it. Which person here is worried about his property? Which person here is worried about his possessions? Which person here is worried about his comfort and the luxuries of this world? Which person here is mindful about his wife right now? You better go home. I I guarantee you that there were a lot of men that had taken a wife and had not, had betrothed the wife and had not, you know, uh, uh, actually received her yet. And laying with her and consummated it. you know what? I bet they stayed anyways. I'm sure there were many that did that. Yeah, some went home. But I bet there were many. You know why? Because they were minded about the battlefield. That's where their mind was. That's what they were focused on. That's what they were worried about. That's what they were interested in. What's he trying to say? If you're interested in something else, if you've got your mind not focused on the fight and you're thinking about something else or something else has higher priority, go home. Go home. Why? Because the men on the battlefield must be focused on the battlefield. You can't be entangling yourselves with the affairs of this life. Just like 2 Timothy chapter number 2 says. Then he says, hey, if anybody's afraid, let them go home. Because you'll cause other people to become afraid too. Talk, that's a very strong and powerful passage as well. That if you are just you know, filled with fear and just faint hearted <laughs> and just can't go forth or forward into battle... That you need to, you, it's better for you not even to be around because it's infectious. Right. It's like the coronavirus. It's highly contagious. It'll spread to everybody. That's how fear is. Fear spreads fast. When people, you know, uh, uh, negativity in general spreads very fast. Right. But when people are afraid, it just, it spreads to everybody. Everybody becomes afraid. Look at the, <clears throat> the children of Israel when they were getting ready to go into the promised land. When the, Ten of the spies came back. They were afraid. Everybody's afraid. The whole nation's afraid. All of them, every last one of them, became afraid. This same thing takes place with Gideon and his 300 men. You know what he does is he takes them down, He (coughs) he weeds out like 13,000 or or 10,000 or something like that. He does it first by saying, who's afraid and who's not afraid? You know, the, the people that are afraid go home. Tons of people left, like 10,000 I think that time left actually. I think 10,000 left and then 2,000 left the next time. So 10,000 people leave that are afraid and faint-hearted. Then he's like, okay, it's too, still too many people. I want you to go down to the water and I want you to look around. I want you to separate you know, uh, uh, the people into two groups. The way in which they're drinking the water. The one group of people that, that bend all the way down on their knees and just drink the water just like they're drinking it out of a cup. Like, and their heads are all the way down. They're not able to look around at the, at, at the field. They don't know their surroundings. They're not paying attention. The people that are, listen to me, getting comfortable. That's what it is. They want to get a little bit more water. What's the difference in those two things? What's more comfortable? Well, who's going to get a bigger drink? It's very clear and very obvious what the difference is here. You know what God's doing? This is a psychological test. Who's interested in the fight? Who's interested in the war? Who has their mind on the things of the battle? Who's interested in getting a little bit comfortable? Who's thinking about their vineyard? Who's thinking about their wife? Who's thinking about their own possessions and the things of this world? Go home. We need men that are focused on the field. We need men that are focused on the battlefield because you know what's gonna happen? They're gonna get out there and they're gonna infect other people They're going to spread this. They could spread their fear if they're fearful. They could spread their their worldliness to other people. It's like leaven and it spreads quickly. And you know what else will happen is (coughs) they'll die out there. And then we'll give the enemy a major advantage. We'll have all these people that are interested in the things of this world. So what God was doing was he was doing a psychological test. The, the other group of people, they, sat, they got down there and they picked up the water and they brought it up to their face so that they could still see their surroundings. And they drank like this while they're watching things still. Do you know why? Because they had the mind, their mind was focused on the battlefield. They had the, the mentality of a soldier. These, those people were ready for the fight. You know what we need to do? We need to stay focused on the battle at hand. We need to not be getting caught up into the world. Amen. A perfect example of this would be Demas. Well, what does Paul say? Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. What did he do? He entangled himself with the affairs of this life. Well, was he thinking about his vineyard? He was thinking about his wife. He was thinking about girls. He was thinking about this world and all the glamour and the things that it has to offer. You know what he wanted? He wanted to be comfortable. Do you know what a liberal wants? They want to be comfortable. They don't want to fight. They want comfort. They want contentment. That is why people become a liberal. They want to be comfortable. They want to get out of the battle. The fight is not It's not pretty. It's not clean. And it's not going to ever be that way. And, (coughs) hey, God's going to bless the church. God's going to bless all the families here. But it's always going to be a fight. And it's always going to be a battle. And it's always going to be rocky. And it's never going to be this just like... You know, just seamless, perfect church with no problems. They don't exist if you're in in the battle. They don't exist if you're in the fight. Look at Paul and Silas and John Mark and what happened with them. Was it pretty? Look at Paul and Peter. Why do you think Paul says fighting's within, fighting's without. You have to stand up for the faith, whether it be friend or foe. You have to stand fast no matter what. And a lot of times you have to stand against friends. Because they're the ones that are leaving the battlefield. They, sometimes there can be friendly fire where they're fighting against you. They start fighting against you when you're standing for the fundamentals of the faith. Kind of like the David almost aligning with the Philistines situation. So it's friendly fire sometimes you have to stand. So it's not clean, it's not pretty, it's not, it's, it's not good. war is not good. What do you expect? He's likening it unto war. Let's be realistic here. War, war is disgusting. War is bad. Can you imagine being on the battlefield and going forth into war and you're in the hottest part of the battle? I want you to really think about it for a minute. That's what he's liking this unto. People are getting shot. You got, a, you, know, you got a 19 year old guy that you've been bunking with that's married, <coughs> has one kid, he goes forward and he just gets you know, you know, just riddled with bullets in front of you. Do you know what he's going to be doing next to you while he's laying down? Just moaning and groaning. Oh, gosh! That's war. Just screaming out. You know, just covered in blood and he's laying on the ground. Oh, help me! Help me! That's battle. That's war. It's really dirty. It's really nasty. It's not pretty. That's the Christian life. He's likening it unto battle. He's likening it unto war. And you have to stand. You have to be prepared to stand in the evil day. Point number four is this. Stand fast and keep the faith. Stand fast and keep the faith. I want you to go to 2 Timothy chapter number four. (coughs) 2 Timothy chapter number four. 2 Timothy chapter number four. This is the last point. This is the most important point. Many begin the battle, but few finish. Everybody has their own reason why they, reasons why they, <coughs> they, they stop standing, why they give ground to the enemy, why they compromise on the battlefield, and they give up some ground, they give up some doctrine, they, they back up, then they ultimately desert and leave the... Re- Everybody, all soldiers uh, that, that have deserted, they all have their own reasons. They all have their own reasons, but ultimately, in a general sense, it's because they don't want to fight anymore. Right. Right. Because they're, they're done fighting. They don't want to fight anymore. They fought for a period of time, but they're too tired. They don't want you know, the high pressure. They don't want to fight. That's what it comes down to. Do you know what they, wanna, they want? They want to be a liberal. They want to compromise on doctrine. They want to compromise on the Word of God. They want to compromise on issues so they don't have anybody to disagree with anymore. They don't have everybody. They, they agree with everybody. So you know what you need to do? You need to stand fast and keep the faith. The faith that you have now, you need to keep it. You need to keep standing for the fundamentals. Many begin the battle. Many begin the fight, but few finish it. Look with Gideon, what happened. Look at all war, all battles. There are many people that get out there, but very few finish it. Very few stay on the battlefield. It's the same with the Christian life. Many people begin the Christian life. They begin you know, serving God, true fundamentalism, true Christianity, believing the fundamentals of the faith, standing for the Bible, standing for the King James Bible, standing for true doctrine. Doctrine. But what you'll find in the Christian life is many begin that fight, but very few actually finish it. I want that to set in. Do you, where do you want to fall in? The majority or the minority? If you make it, you'll be the minority. You know why? Because it's hard. It's not easy. Many begin, but few finish. <coughs> Look at 2 Timothy chapter number 4. Look at verse <coughs> number 7. Look at verse number 5. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions. Does that sound familiar? Endure hardness. Do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Then he says this in verse 7. I have fought a good Fight! I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. What glorious words to be able to say. What glorious words. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. That's what we need to do as Christians. We need to stand fast in the faith. And we need to keep the faith. We need to stand fast and we need to finish the course. We need to stand fast and we need to finish the fight. You know what we need to do? You know where where you're going to die? His fight was not over yet. Because I want you to know, he said, I finished my course. But what did he say about the fight? I have fought a good fight. He said, my my time is about to end, but what's going to happen? He's going to die on the battlefield. Paul didn't die at his house. Paul didn't die. Paul wasn't discharged. There is no discharge in this war, the Bible says. Paul died on the battlefield Paul died engaging in war. I want you to go to 2 Samuel chapter number 23. We need to be resolved. We need to not flake out. We need to not give up. We can't just give up and walk off the battlefield. We need to finish the fight. We have the, the best example of this, just an amazing example of this, in 2 Samuel chapter number 23. <clears throat> 2 Samuel chapter number 23. <clears throat> When I read passages like this, and especially this passage, it just causes, you know, just, just, just the, the, the masculinity if you will, the testosterone just rages when I read these kind of passages. When I think about dying on the battlefield, when I think about fighting to the bitter end, you know, there's a story. I think both of you guys are, are familiar with this. Um, but there's a story that you know Peter Ruckman had told about about these soldiers that were going forth into battle. And there was a specific general. I can't remember which which battle that this was. Particularly, um, they were still fighting with swords at this time, so it's you know not too recent. But uh, there was a real hard-nosed general, just kind of like that general that's just like you know, just kind of cold-hearted, just the typical general, cold-hearted, and he's just, uh, he's almost to the point where they think he's sadistic, like he has no thought, no feelings for people, no emotions, and this guy is just, he's a hard nose like you have never seen, and they go forth into battle, and uh, there was a man that that was just uh, uh, side by, he was side by side with when they go forth into battle, and they get in a in a hot part of the battle, you know, this is the general that's with him, and The enemy approaches to the point where they're (coughs) crossing swords, they're hand in hand, they're not just back there firing cannons, they're not coming in on a horse, they're on their feet and they are face to face with the enemy with a sword in their hand and they're battling and fighting and the guy who's with him, he looks over and the enemy comes in and lands one all the way just from right to left, east to west on this guy's body said it sliced the guy's face pretty much in half, his nose is like falling off, his lips are cut in half, the guy's eyes lost one of his eyes, and he cut his arm, severed his arm in half. And that colonel, that hard-nosed, strong, fighting colonel, that guy dropped his sword because the sword was in that hand. So he walked over to that guy, it's at the end of the battle, you know what most people would do if you were him? You'd go over in a corner somewhere and die, like an animal somewhere. You'd, you'd, you'd live your last few minutes in sorrow and in pain crying, wouldn't you? That colonel went over while that guy was on the, sitting, sitting down. He was sitting down on his butt. He went over and he picked up his sword that he had dropped because his arm was cut off, and he put it in the other guy's hand, and the regiment was 57. That's what they were a part of. Put that sword back in his hand, and he said, Die hard, 57. Die hard. That guy got up, he had the sword, I'm assuming, in his opposite hand. It'd be like me going forth in a battle with a sword in my left hand. You know what he did? He died fighting. He died, you know, enduring hardness. Instead of dying somewhere and giving up, even after he had been injured. Even after, you know, he had suffered what would have been a fatality. His last few breaths, you know what he did? He died with the sword in his hand. He died on the battlefield fighting. There are many reasons why people stop fighting. There are multiple reasons why people stop fighting and they walk off. But ultimately, it's because it's too hard and too tough and they don't want to fight anymore. It's just too tough. It's too hard. And they just walk off the battlefield. Or If they're too injured, they just lay there. When they have enough in them, you're going to die anyways. Hey, I'm going to die one day anyway. I'm going to take my last breath anyways. Let me tell you, I want to die on the battlefield. I want to die fighting. I'm going to die with the sword in my hand, I can guarantee it. Hey, there may be a lot of people that have have grown uh, uh, to not like me. There may be a lot of people that don't like my preaching. They don't like the things that I say. They think I preach against them, whatever they say. But one thing, if you know me well, you know that I'm going to die with that sword in my hand. I'm going to die fighting. I don't care if everybody leaves the church. I don't care what happens. I am going to die on the battlefield. I'm going to die fighting with the sword in my hand. That's not changing. Yes. Die hard, 57. Die hard. I don't care if, if I lose an arm. Right. If both my arms are chopped off, I'm going to kick you. If, if, if I lose my legs, I'll crawl over to you and I'll cut your legs off. Yes. I'm going to die fighting. I don't care what happens. I'm going to clench. You know what happens? If I, if I suffer an injury, I'm going to hold on to the sword even tighter. I'm gonna cleave to the sword even tighter. Even if I gotta fight all day, all night. Look at 2 Samuel chapter number 23, verse number 8. <coughs> These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. Who wants to be a mighty man here? Yeah. Boys involved. Who wants to be a mighty man? Who wants to die on the battlefield? Yeah. Raise your hand. Look at what it says. These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. The Tecmonite that sat in the seat. <coughs> chief among the captains. The same was Adino the Esnite. He lifted up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. This first it says he slew 800 men with one spear. Can you imagine that? That's, that would be tiring man. 800 men. Imagine 800 men coming at you and all you have is a spear just like that's, that's three people right there. You got you know, seven hundred ninety-seven more that you got to take out. That's a lot of people. Right. A lot of people. He killed eight hundred men with a spear in his hand only. It's not like a cannon. They had cannons. People are other than cannons, and they had cannons. It's not like just shooting a cannon and taking out you know, you know, eighty people with one blow. No, he had a spear, and that spear, the edge of that spear, <coughs> was the cause of the death of eight hundred men. Killed eight hundred men. That's a mighty man. Look at what it says next. This is what I want to focus on. Verse number 9. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Aholite, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that were there, gathered together to battle. And the men of Israel were gone away. It says this. So all the men of Israel. I want you to notice that. What happened? It says when the men of Israel were gone away. So it says... (coughs) Pay close attention. When they defied the Philistines that were there, gathered together to battle. So they defied them, right? Maybe they ran their mouth, maybe they killed a few of their soldiers, but they defied them. Defy is like kind of like a disrespect, right? They defied them. They they faced them. They defied the the soldiers, I'm sorry, the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle. And the men of Israel were gone away. What does that mean? (coughs) The men of Israel left. What's that mean? This guy's by himself right now. He's there and he's left alone. He's all alone by himself. (laughs) And it says this. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary. And then it says this. And his hand clave unto the sword. What does that mean? His hand clave unto the sword. What does it mean for something to cleave or clave? To stick to it. To come apart to it. That's a part of it. That's exactly what it means. It means you became a part of it. Right? It cla- his hand clave unto the sword. That's how I'm going to die. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm telling you right now, I am resolved. I have made my mind up. And that's what it is. You have to have the mind of a soldier. You have to have the mentality of a soldier. First, you have to acknowledge and recognize, I'm in a battle. I am in a war. This is a true, real war. It's hard, it's dirty, it's nasty, but you know what? I'm gonna die with the sword in my hand. And you know what? When the battle gets more hot, I'm just gonna hold on to the sword tighter. I'm gonna cleave to the sword even tighter. I have made my mind up and you need to do the same thing. I am going to die on the battlefield. Amen. I'm not deserting. Discharge isn't an option. I'm not deserting. I'm going to die fighting. My last breath is going to be all, you know what I'm going to see? I'm going to see a bunch of enemies in front of me. And even if everybody else leaves, even if the, the, you know, it's just me left, even if all of Israel abandons me, even if everybody else chooses to desert. I'm just going to go forward, and my hand's going to cleave under the sword, and I'll die out in the battlefield fighting myself. I don't care if I die out there because it's you know uh, uh, you know it's 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 three hundred to one, <coughs> it's thirty five thousand to one. It doesn't matter to me. I'm going to die with the sword in my hand. I'm going to die with my boots on on the battlefield. That's where I'm going to die. I'm going to die with my weapon in my hand. You need to make your mind up. I'm not liberalizing. I'm not compromising ever. We are going to be a King James only, independent, fundamental, Baptist church. We will be militant. We will stand for the fundamentals of the faith. We will stand for the doctrines that promote sanctity. We will stand for the doctrines that promote holiness. We will stand for the fundamentals of the past and of the faith. We are not compromising. We're not going liberal. It's not happening. You know why people go liberal? Because they want to desert the field. They want to desert the battle. They want to leave the war. You know what it is? It's, a, it's dishonorable. I'm going to die with honor. <clears throat> I'm going to live up to the name of Valiant Baptist Church. I'm resolved. I've made my mind up. You know what I'm going to do? My hand is going to cleave to the sword. It's going to cleave to the sword. Like Brother Hall said, it becomes one with the sword. sounds kind of you know uh, uh, mystical, if you will, like Eastern mysticism. But hey, there's nothing wrong with that <coughs> if we're talking about the Bible. Right. I want to become one with the Bible in that sense, right? In the sense that, you know, and, and that's what it is. I'm going to stand for the fundamentals of the faith. And, you know, when the people that, that don't like me and they disagree with the fundamentals because, because they become liberal or all the already people that are liberal and they attack the fundamentals, they're just attacking my sword because I've claved in my sword. They're not really attacking me. They're just attacking the word of God. Because I've claved my sword. And, you know what? They can't tell the difference between me and the sword. Because I'm one with the sword. Right? They can't tell the difference. And you know what? That sword is going to die with me. You can bury me with it. Put a King James Bible in my casket when I die. Bury me with it. Because I'm not walking off the battlefield. Not happening. As I said, there are a lot of people that have grown to dislike me. A lot, all fundamental Baptists. You think there weren't a lot of people that hated Jack Hiles? You think there weren't a lot of people that hated Peter Ruckman? There's a lot of people that hate Steven Anderson? People that stand for the fundamentals of the faith, <clears throat> people will dislike you and hate you. You know why? Name reasons why people don't like me. It's over doctrine. Every time, isn't it? It's over the fundamentals right. of the faith. You know why? Because I'll fight for them. And I'll be militant. And I'll keep standing for it. I'll keep standing against... Alcohol and drinking alcohol, alcohol being okay. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself about, aright. I'll keep standing for all these doctrines that, 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 you know, people try to compromise and accept on. You know, compromise on and accept. I'll keep standing against all of them. The sodomite issue. I'll keep preaching. I don't care how dark. And how, how, how perverted our world comes, I will keep preaching against these filthy sodomites. Amen. These disgusting perverts. I'll keep preaching Leviticus 2013. I'll keep preaching against adultery. I don't care who commits it. I don't care if it's somebody in our church. I'll still tell you straight to your face if I have to. You deserve to be put to death, buddy. Amen. You know why? If they attack me, they'd just be attacking my sword. Right. I'm just quoting Leviticus to you. Leviticus 19 in that case. You know what? I'm going to still stand for these, and nothing's going to cause me to walk off this battlefield. Nothing. I'm going to die. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I'm going to stand fast and keep the faith. I'm going to go out there, and my hand is going to cleave under the sword. And I'm going to die. I've made up my mind, and you need to too. I'm going to die on the field, fighting with the enemies in front of me. They're not all going to die until Jesus comes back. They'll be there. And I'm going to keep charging forward. I'm gonna stand fast. I'm not gonna give up any ground. I'm gonna stay focused on the battle at hand. And I'm going to keep the faith. I'm gonna finish my fight. And when I die, you know, whoever it is, I hope it's you know the Antichrist or something. I can I can I want to die in an honorable way, right? But I promise you this: however I die, I'm dying with my sword in my hand. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we love you so much. We love you that we have a God that's a general, the greatest general that that exists. (coughs) We can enlist in your army. We're just thankful that we're on the Lord's side. We're on the winning side. We love you so much. We ask that you bless us and be with us. And, 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 and give us a double portion of, of uh, the spirit of many valiant men. You know, uh, uh, give, us, give us the backbone of King David and many warriors and soldiers like that. Give us the backbone of Eleazar whose hand clave unto his sword. Help us to keep fighting. Help us to not give up. Help us to not compromise. Help us to stand for the fundamentals of the faith. Help us to, to, to stand for the word of God and to not give up. Help us to die uh, with our boots on, our sword in our hand, and help us to die fighting on the battlefield. We love you so much and be with us and bless our church. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.